Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the March 3, 2024 session, focusing on Psalm 19, Voiceless Testimony. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm Crystal Shepard. We, you may be able to tell my voice is a little bit different today. I've been, I caught a bug while I was traveling and it has just lingered. I hope for the rest of you, you're able to avoid these little, little nasty respiratory bugs that seem to be wandering around, but I'm doing better. I'm glad to be with you today in Kentucky. We're having really this week, we've been having all the weather. So we've had, (laughs) we've got all the weather. Oh, it's a buffet. We had temperatures that were like springtime. It was up 60 or so. It's sunny and Mm -hmm. beautiful. And then right now it's raining. And Mm -hmm. by tonight, we're going to have a couple inches of snow and it'll be (laughs) in the teens tomorrow. It would be perfect in all the seasons if we could have 90 degrees right after it's freezing. Yeah. (laughs) And we would have everything. Yeah. It's it's something for everyone to enjoy and for everyone to complain about. That's That's right. Exactly. That's right. Good. Good. But for me, I actually enjoy the snow. So for tonight, I'm I'm looking forward to this because I just think everything's so beautiful yeah. whenever it's covered in that frosting and the quiet that comes with it. It's just yes. so peaceful. Anyway, the natural world is an amazing place. And as we know from Scripture, it, it, it also is a it's a manifestation of God. God made this creation and we see God in it. So I'm curious, what have you learned? What have you learned about God from this creation in which we live? So I love this question. But first, let me say, so we record this on Friday. Be kind to your pastors. I'm assuming lots of our listeners are church-going folks. Weekend snows cause palpitations, (laughs) heart palpitations for pastors. (laughs) Right. Just be kind. This is not... I know y'all love the snow. This is not fun for us. So anyway, I'm just saying. So one thing I've learned about God from creation, and, and this is drawn straight from the scriptures. I love that God not only loves, but desires praise and worship from all of creation. There, there are parts of Christianity that not, not deny, but but really don't pay attention, disregard the natural world. But I think a faithful reading of Scripture shows that, and we'll talk about this in, when we get to the psalm here, but the testimony of Christ bears this out, even the rocks will cry out, or other parts where, you know, the, I think it's, is it Psalm 98 is one of my favorites with the floods ring forth with joy for God. Mm-hmm. I love that all of creation has has a place in the worship of God. Mm-hmm. I I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something beautifully majestic about that, and that humans play a one of the we we play one of the parts in all of that. I love that. For me. What I have learned from creation is that God is really weird. (laughs) 
And so I am so grateful to all of the videographers and photographers who do those earth movies where they go out and they sit for hours and hours at a time to get just the perfect shot of this bird that none of us would ever be able to see because that's not the work we do. And when I watch those, like some of the creatures that exist in this world are ridiculous looking. Like you look at them and all you can do is laugh because they're hysterical. And then when you watch them do their stuff. Don't make fun of Daniel that way. (laughs) I know. That just hurts. When he just prances around. (laughs) But when you look like all of the vastness of what God created, and some of it is just plain weird. And sometimes I just like to imagine God sitting up there, what's next? And like pulling the clay up from the mud and like forming something and like putting a peak on here and throwing some color on there. And he's, that'll crack them up and tossing it down. I just think that God is delightfully weird, which I really love because I think I'm weird. That's something that I learned from creation. Mm -hmm. Kind of on the same lines as Nikki, like the uniqueness and the diversity that we see in creation. And I think that carries over to how God responds to us. And also in kind of the flip side of that, now that I live more out in the country and I'm seeing the same pond every day and every season, like seeing that, yes, things change, but they also remain the same. There's always a season that comes. There are certain things that happen. I've watched the, now the algae form on the pond and then it go away. And so it's very interesting to think about that and then how that reflects God, that God is unchanging and yet fluid. I guess that's the best way to say it. So there's things that happen, but the the things remain. The trees still burst forth with leaves every year. And then those leaves fall in the fall. And so God is unchanging that we can count on the seasons and we can count on that God is unchanging. Yeah. I worry sometimes that we have distanced ourselves so much from the natural world that we don't see as much of this as we might normally have in earlier generations when people were less cloistered in buildings and concrete <laughs> concrete areas. For me, I'm not sure what it says about God. I think certainly, Nikki, you're right. There, there's God's a, a room full of preschoolers. When you say draw <laughs> a bird and you get 50 different kinds with strange right. colors and beaks and feathers, and God has that same level of delight and playfulness. But it's like, we don't have just a tree. God didn't go, I'll, I'll create a tree. No, we have all kinds of trees. Mm-hmm. We have all kinds of fish. It wasn't just one bird. You have all these different kinds of birds, not just one kind of flower. There's all these different varieties. And you could do that with just about any of the, quote, categories we make up to organize nature in our minds. But to ask the question, which flower is the best or which tree is the best of all the trees? It's a weird question, right? Because they're all amazing. Yeah. We're pretty good at asking that question about people, but we won't go there yet. Right? Yeah, you just said that. <laughs> anyway, we're already having a good discussion and we haven't even had our intro yet. So I'm going to stop. And Crystal, if you'll get us started, we'll then we'll jump back in. Okay. How many of us have looked at a sunset, a rainbow, or a beautiful flower and saw evidence of the Creator God? I remember vividly two separate situations for me. 
One was as a 20-year-old on a mission project in Santa Cruz, California. Our group had worked hard all summer ministering and working alongside the people of Santa Cruz and took a break to go visit Yosemite National Park. When we climbed a particularly steep trail, we rounded the bend after leaving a canopy of evergreens to see a majestic mountain lake sandwiched in the middle of two waterfalls. We sat on the rocks in that lake, dipped our tired feet in the cool, clear water, and ate our sack lunches. I remember sitting on a rock and looking in the distance to see clouds dotted around the sheer dark granite reaching up into the sky as if pointing to the heavens. It was at that moment that I felt the presence of God and all of nature around me crying out to testify to its creator. A second time in my life, some 20 plus years later, when I had some difficult decisions to make and a lot was out of my control, I would see a beautiful hawk soaring in the air reminding me that I was not alone. One moment in particular, I was strapping my young child into his car seat when I heard the familiar call of the hawk. I quickly searched the sky to find one circling right above me. It let me know that I had found home. I'm sure many of you have had similar experiences of creation reminding you of the magnitude and magnificence of God, as well as the closeness of the divine. Today's psalm is a testament to the creator found in all of nature as well as the guiding word of God. Psalm 19 is believed to be two separate poems from two different authors. Verses 1 through 6 represent a musical poem that reveals God and God's creation, while verses 7 through 14 is more cadenced and reveals God through God's word or law. 1 through 6 show the presence of God in the heavens and in creation, while 7 through 14 manifests God's presence in the word and reflection upon it. Walter Brueggemann says that Psalm 19 begins on a cosmic level and progressively narrows to conclude with the human heart. The first half shows God to us in how the heavens and the earth are proclaiming God. The psalmist says that even when there is not speech or words, the voice of creation speaks out by what we witness. The writer then focuses in on the sun, something we all see and can observe, to show us that God who set it in motion reveals himself through it. It rises, sets, and brings light and life to all through the power of God who made it. The psalm abruptly shifts at this point to the word or law of God, which is perfect, sure, clear, pure, true, and more desired than gold or honey. The word reveals the character of God as well. A God who is near to us, not only in creation, but in words of instruction and help to us. It is important to note that the Hebrew here gives the very personal name of God, Yahweh. It is more of a hint of a parental or nurturing God in this point. God is giving commands and wisdom out of God's love for human beings and in special regard to those who are keeping said commands and implementing said wisdom. The psalmist is reminding the people that this great creator God, who is infinite, very much wants a dialogue with us, the finite. God's creation and God's word are communicating God to us. In turn, the psalmist is instructing the reader on how to communicate back with God. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I believe this psalm can be used as an inspiration and guide by us seeing God's revelation both in the natural order and God's word. Rather than them being at odds against each other as science and religion are often pitted, maybe the two are connected. The first reveals God without words, and the second reveals God with words, two sides of the same coin, showing us the character and nature of God. A God so far as the cosmos and yet so close as the air we breathe. A God who is perfect, but doesn't demand perfection from us. Rather, just an effort to keep what God asks of us. This psalm inspires me to look for God in the complexity of a dragonfly wing or the breeze brushing my cheek, as well as finding God in the reading of Scripture and meditating upon it or hearing a well-crafted sermon. May all of these things instruct us in our dialogue with our Creator, our Yahweh, and may they teach us what is acceptable to God, our rock and Redeemer. Crystal, thank you so much uh, for giving us that beautiful introduction. Um, I always love when you talk about creation because you have such a playful style in the way that you do. At least that's what it feels like to me is there's a playfulness in the way that you write. And I love the way that comes forward when you talk about creation. Something that I really connected with, or really, I guess when I was also studying the passage, what stuck out for me was this idea that in this passage, we see God revealed both in a wordless way and in words. And I find both comfort and challenge in that. I am, I work in the academy. I have loved school once I learned how to do it. My early years were not great, but once I figured it out, like, I really fell in love with the process of school and that kind of thing. And so most of the ways that I connect with God are through words. And so it is such an important balance for me personally to make sure I find ways to also connect with God in other ways. Because when I lean only on the words, I'm missing um, an expression of God in my own journey. So I really love that you brought that out in the passage. Thanks. And thanks for saying that about the playfulness, because I think that's which I like what you said about the balance, because I think for me, creation has always been where I have encountered God mm. since I was a child. So when you said playfulness, yeah. it really was since I was little. And well, I think it was later that I came to studying the word of God and yeah. encountering God in that way. So I, I do love that this Psalm marries the two because I yeah. do think they can go hand in hand. And I think mm -hmm. it is very fruitful for us to combine those things so that we're not stuck in one area, but that we can see all these different facets of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was with a, a group out of town the other day and they had asked me to, to lead in a devotion. And so as part of it, I invited them to pray with an image, one image. I said, pick one image and place that, you know, in your mind. Do not use words, avoid words, and offer that image to God without words. And then we lingered with that for a bit. So anyway, there was more to it, but I was amazed afterwards. So we sat back down and this was a working group and we started working again. And I was getting emails with pictures and 
different ones of them were saying, I got to share with you the image that came to mind. And not everybody thought of a photo they had taken, but like one person had been to Norway recently and had seen the Northern Lights. Mm. Oh. Sorry, Nikki. Sorry. but I know. I missed out. I know. But you can imagine, right? That would be oh, yeah. amazing. A, yeah. a bucket list thing. Anyway, and then they had to type words about, <laughs> about it. But nonetheless, I thought it was instructive that the, we are capable of opening our minds and our hearts to God in ways that aren't just around language. And that sometimes I think is helpful because words do have limits. And what an amazing exercise. Like I want to add that into my devotional <laughs> life now, like that. Yeah. I love that. I think everybody in the podcast should try it. Like everybody it. on listening, try it. What a beautiful idea for prayer. Yeah. And I think this idea of the wordlessness, if I can like latch onto that for a minute, it offers us a opportunity, especially when we think about being in creation to be fully present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think, and I think that can happen in, in the word too, but I, I feel like for me personally, when I am in nature is when I, all of the chatter inside of my head stops and I can just be. Mm. And I think that's why I feel so close to God in that moment, because I don't have to hear all of those things inside my head anymore. I can just be present with God. So what this is bringing up for me is that, so I think the created world is very sacred. And I, I think we have to be careful, uh, at least for me, Creation is not God, but it, it is very sacred in that I think so much of what we see in the world around us reminds us of God, and, and especially in this way. I think we can find, we find in the natural world so much beautiful complexity that, for instance, in... In creation, we find, I think, exactly what we need it to be for us. Similar to what we find, God comes to us exactly what we need for us. Nature can be chaotic and destructive. Nature can be peaceful and serene. Nature can be difficult and challenging. Mm -hmm. Nature can, be, can bring inner peace and calm. I, th I think... God is all of these things for us too. So I think, I don't know exactly what I'm getting at there other than I think God is so close to the natural world and so close to the creative world that I think there's something so incredibly sacred about creation around us that when we are in that environment and when we are close to it, especially within community, that I think it is easy for us to find communion with our creator because what we find in nature, I think, is so much of what we find in God that we find what we need in those moments. Do you know what mm -hmm. I, I'm struggling with my words a little bit there, but I'm feeling what I want to say, maybe through that rambling, I'm making some sense there. I follow along with you. Daniel, and it makes me go back to the psalm because in there, it's not just 
sunsets and happy feeling nature <laughs> that is described, mm-hmm. but also thunder and lightning mm-hmm. and earthquakes, yeah. like all of that God created and all of it speaks to us right now. And like you said, certain things speak to certain people. I love thunderstorms. Like when there's a thunderstorm, I'm going to open my window if it's not lightning too bad. Now, if it gets to lightning too bad, I will close the window. But I love a thunderstorm, but I know people who hate them and who Mm. are genuinely terrified um, and have to take care of themselves when there's a really bad storm. And yeah, I think that we all take and and uh, see God in creation in different ways, just like we do encounter God through other avenues. And maybe that's instructive of the second half of the psalm, which is we can, yes, there is like a, what was the original context of the scripture and not proof texting, but maybe we take away from scripture what we need in that moment. Um it just reminds me of I was in a continuing education class for a therapist this week or this last week, and they were talking about helping clients find scriptures that they can pray or utilize. And it took me back to a time that I had a really difficult time. And I remember there was one scripture and I was taking it completely out of context. But in perfect love, there is no fear because perfect love casts out fear. It wasn't talking, that scripture's not talking about my fear of being like, someone hurting me, but that's what it meant to me in that moment of praying it in my mind is that it's go. I'm, I, I don't have to be afraid because God's love is with me. And so I think we can take away from scripture what we need. And maybe sometimes I've loved Daniel that you talked about all the different ways that nature can like show us the character of God. Like the, it's the, I, that's what I was getting from what you were saying. And the scripture's the same way. We see all these different pictures of God in scripture, and some of them are really hard to deal with and to figure out and to understand. But I do think that it's beneficial to see that God could, can be frustrated, <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> word, that God can be like, why are you not listening to me? But God can also be like, I'm holding you tenderly because I love you so much. And I think we can get like both of what Daniel was saying, like all these different facets from nature, but also these different facets from the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know what I really love is, so from the very first opening question, Crystal, I love how you connected to in creation, we see that while there is change within creation, there's also steadiness. And mm-hmm. like, we can see the that God doesn't change, but we also see that God is diverse. So mm-hmm. like the unchangingness of God is that God changes sometimes, I think, not changes in that becomes different, like is loving and then unloving, but that, but the nature of God is not to be static. It is not unmovable. It, it, God is, God moves with us. God moves Mm -hmm. through us and around us and God moves us. I think it's something that I love about God. And when I began to incorporate images of God in my own faith journey that were diverse and varied. There was a freedom that I think I found in my faith journey. There was a a lightness, L-I-G-H-T-N-E-S, light in 
in that faith walk, whereas before it felt really heavy and restricted. So, yeah. We are in the season of Lent, and often we describe Lent as a journey, one that we are on where we are being reflective on our own faith and our own experience with God, our own journey with God. And I think the journey imagery is really helpful because we understand that we aren't there yet, but we're also on the way. I, I was introduced recently by the dean at the school where I work, uh, and who is also our theologian. He loves poetry. And he began one of our faculty meetings recently with reading a poem that stuck with me to the degree that I said, I got to know, I got to know who, who wrote that. <laughs> Give me, let, let me know. He shared the book with me. And it, it is really an interesting text. It's, it's poetry by Abigail Carroll. Abigail Carroll. You might want to look it up. I'll link it in the show notes. The book is called Habitation of Wonder. And it has been described uh, as a collection of poems that helps us travel the intersection of the natural world with the landscape of the spirit, which maybe is part of our journey that we're describing today as we look at this psalm. Anyway, I want to share with you that poem as a way of closing our conversation today, but also leaving us with something that may linger. Here's the poem she writes. Be map, be lamp, be flame for my way. Be sole of my shoe, be stride of my walk. Be mountain, be forest, be cool of the shade, be wind in the pine, be silence of deer. Be bridge, be stream, be bend in the trail. Be the slope of my climb. Be the grip of my tread. Be my rise when I fall. Be my rest when I sit. Be the stone in my boot. Be my will to forgive. Yes, be compass. Be owl song. Be north. Be my end. My beginning. My wandering. My weeping my word. Oh, be blanket of sky. Oh, be fruit on my tongue. Oh, be larkspur. Be raindrop, be stars holding fast. Be the first glint of dawn. Be the dew on the grass. Be my waking, my prize, my horizon my path. Thank you, Abigail Carroll, for those words. May they inspire us on this journey we are all on in this Lenten season. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.